Welcome back to another edition of the Bow Rush Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Doe. You're listening to episode 36. We are now on our second episode of the series of August for Extreme Hunts. And the guy we brought on today is going to go over some really cool experiences. You know what? Let's see if I can give you a, a, a slight hint. And I'm pretty sure you can get the idea from the sound of... Can you guess what it is? I'm pretty sure you got it. It's a African lion hunt. And the guy we brought on, his name is Cody, and he is going to share with you an incredible story. He's done a video, which you should definitely check out if you're not listening to us on our website, but through the podcast. Go to our website on mybowrush.com forward slash zero three six, and you can actually watch his video of this experience. But before then, I want you to hear the whole audio first because you know what? He dives in some details that you just won't get from the actual video. So, Bow Rush listeners, Scott and I asked him some really good questions to Cody, and he gave some solid answers. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get going. Uh, so, hey, Cody, can you say your full name? It's uh, Cody Draper, C-O-D-Y-D-R-A-P-E-R. Thanks for that. Well, knowing that you have been in Africa, Scott and myself, and a lot of our listeners, I'm probably sure have not been to Africa for a lion hunt or any type of hunting for that matter. So having you come on and share some of your experiences, I mean, to me, this is like an expertise listening to someone that's had this opportunity to go out to Africa and go after an extreme type of hunting scenario. This is going to be great. I'm so excited to understand what this experience was like. Um, I wouldn't consider myself an expert or anyone by any means, but, uh, you know, we give it our best and always fall on the the opportunity to, you know, learn. You know, I think that's what it's all about. When you become a hunter, anytime you hunt and anytime you become successful, you have something that is, there is knowledge that you do have that someone has never been able to experience that could learn from you. So it doesn't really matter the extent of knowledge or the experience level. Everybody, I think, has something to share. It all depends mm-hmm. on the type of experience that they've had, if they feel like they can share that moment. Yeah, I agree, 100%. Very cool. Yeah, you know, you there's not a ton of people out there who have shot a lion, especially on film, with a bow. <laughs> And that's just, that's a phenomenal, phenomenal hunt. And, you know, it's something that, you know, happens a little more and more as, you know, uh, time has gone on. It's become more of a thing. But you, the shots that you made on the animal were awesome. And, and the, the video alone was phenomenal. It was yeah. built really well. The story was told amazingly. Yeah, production team did a really good job on putting that together. And that's definitely something we, we would love to talk about, kind of take that to the next level, explaining how that hunt, you know, came, came to happen, you know, what kind of happened during that hunt, where your, where your mind and thought process was. Yeah. It's for, uh, you know, for a bunch of guys to go over there and, uh, experience that together. It, for all of us, we we talked about it time and time again, but the, the lion hunt itself was, uh, something that we tried to bring to life on the video to, uh, bring the emotion in the hunt, but it really, um, just can't imagine uh, being on edge. I mean, I've hunted so much, and I think uh, for the first time in my life, you know, the adrenaline, um, you know, I've hunted, you know, screaming elk and doing all kinds of really, really cool hunts, but that lion hunt just had a little different edge to it for all of us. And, uh, <laughs> kind, of, kind of a 
kind of a wake-up call, man. I mean, walking and uh, this lion, he, he was just playing tricks on us. And, you know, we, we'd heard stories about, you know, lions doing things and, you know, being creative and, and getting away and trying to, uh, you know, ambush hunters that are hunting them. And, and man, that happened to us. And it was, uh, it, it didn't really hit reality until, you know, we were actually tracking the lion and that lion's tracks just made loops and loops and loops and pretty soon we looked down and the lion's tracks were on our tracks and so we were just like man this is ridiculous you know and um (laughs) it was so it had it had that vibe the entire hunt i mean none of us uh you know we're we're joking at all it was uh it was all serious we're all eyes you know and any time that lion could come out of the brush we're hunting some pretty thick stuff and and actually a couple times we caught a glimpse of the lion and and he was uh, pretty fired up. He wasn't, uh, at first he kind of was just, you know, meandering around trying to figure out, you know, who we are and what we were doing, why we were following him. And then after that, he just kind of, you know, we'd catch glimpses of him just doing random stuff, like running through the brush looking at us and, you know, kind of just all puffed up. And, and uh, man, it was just it was intense. Like, he just, at any minute, it could go down, you know, and that's kind of what, what, we, what we experienced. Months before planning this ahead, how many people did you think that you were going to have on the trip? What time of the year did you go on this trip? And, you know, the type of uh, the experiences it required to even just get to that point before you actually landed. Like, what were those things that were going through your head? Like, what all, all that stuff happened? So it was pretty built up. Um, you know, every year it was around my birthday. I, every year I do a little trip kind of somewhere. And you always say, do the one thing you live and love and on your birthday. And, you know, mine's always been an experience somewhere else. I've been fortunate to, you know, go on some of these hunts in New Zealand. And Africa just keeps drawing me back. But uh, last year, I had a group of buddies that went with me. You know, we launched our my uh, smartphone app, Racksite, for Worldwide Hunters. And so I had some buddies that we were all uh, in promoting it and, and pushing the uh, word out. And so... We decided, hey, let's uh, let's go back, and I figured, you know, this is no better time in my life than to do the one hunt that I've always dreamed of, and that was an African lion with a bow, and so it was planned out, and, uh, you know, it, it was crazy because, you know, I, I thought, honestly, I didn't know much about, you know, going to hunt, and it's, it's pretty costly, but the thing is, is it took a long time to really pull this together, and once we, I got looking into actually hunting lions, um, you know, you have to be approved. It's not something that they just give anybody a bow and you can go over there and hunt lions or the big five with a bow. You actually have to pull a permit and that permit is given to people who they feel can, um, you know, have the capabilities of harvesting an animal, um, you know, cause it's not like you're just, you know, you're not hunting a white tail with a bow. I mean, this thing, you know, could kill you. Yeah. So, they don't, they don't want it wounded, and they, they want people who, you know, have experience. And so I submitted some photos with my application and actually got denied on the first time. Um, oh, wow. They actually said, hey, you know, we need more fo- we need more proof. We need more background, you know. Um, so I actually and then pulled every, every archery photo I had and uh, sent them that. And I finally got approved on the second run. But um, so that itself... Uh, you know, I'd say people playing to go hunt, most people don't hunt with a bow. It's really rare um, just because of the, you know, the way it goes down and uh, what your experience level is. But 
I, I didn't want to do the whole hang the bait thing. You know, to me, I think it'd be fun, but, uh, you know, I wanted to do the real deal and, um, and capture it on film and, and, you know, have that, uh, full fair chase with the lion, you know? So that, that to me was, uh, where we, when we finally got approved, I, I started getting fired up over it and, uh, you know, worked with some great outfitters, um, bow hunting safari south africa and safari.com there's some friends of mine that i've met but they really um you know paved the way made sure all the permits were in place I mean, there's a lot of prep work that goes into that but uh the lion itself being prepped up for it i mean it was something we were all fired up for months in advance well so uh, it's 11 minute video and again it's done phenomenally it's it's a great video to go watch but how long was that hunt actually from when you, when you guys started on the track to when you guys finally had got the, got the final I'd say, shot? I'd say, yeah, total hours, probably 12 hours total of um, wow. walking. And I mean, that was all day long. I would say actually physically hunting. Um, but it's, you know, strategic. It's like anything, you know, most people go hunting and, and everyone's got to have a plan. I always say work your plan and. And uh, for me, you know, as, uh, as much as I hunt, every hunt, no matter where it's at, has a plan. And that that's really the plan was to not just walk and walk and walk, but was to, um, you know, intercept that lion at the time when, you know, we could harvest him. And it wasn't just a matter of, you know, stumbling upon him and, hey, can we hopefully get a shot? I mean, there was a lot of strategy that that video didn't bring out that um, was put in place. And, uh you know, a game plan. And, and like I said, it's any hunt you go on has to have that in place um, or you're just, you, you know, you're, you're not going to be successful. So why that area? It was, uh, that's Kalahari, right? Correct. Yeah, we went to the Kalahari. They, um, you know, there was, they have some nice lines there. Um, you know, to me, you could pick anywhere. Um, I just wanted to go to a place that I was referred to. You know, there's so much, uh, shady stuff that happens you know when you're in another country and um you know for me it uh i was i felt safe about it you know not only was i concerned for myself but when you bring a group of guys with you you know you got to be concerned for them too and and take the high road when it comes to uh trust you know and so Mm -hmm. that's why i picked that place because that's where i was referred to but there's many places you can hunt lions um i just wanted to go to a place i know was uh, secure and you know trustworthy that's awesome now the type of hunt that you are going on being that it's in africa and there's a lot of things that like you were saying that there's some shadiness going on but this is a legitimate hunt that was planned as you were talking about it wasn't just like you could just pick up the phone and buy a ticket and fly out there and go kill them it took a lot of preparation they had to vet you to make sure that you're someone that they felt is someone that can handle this type of hunt so the legitimacy is there and to ensure that this is a uh, this is going to be a successful hunt well, on in that area, I mean, in a given year, do you know how many times or how many lions are usually taken out? And is there like a particular reason why there's a certain number? Boy, this is like uh, I have a friend. Uh, man, I wish he was on here. His name's Aaron Nielsen. He's uh, the guy is probably the the most knowledgeable guy I know to answer these questions. But the for me, um, you know, I know there's a huge can of worms when it's talking about hunting uh, the African lion and and uh, for me the research that I did put into it was uh, you know to know that it was 
sustainable for me to come hunt lions. And that, like I said, you, you're really relying on somebody's word um, when you're researching, hey, where do I start? Where do I look into going? Um, you know, but I would say, to get back to your question, yeah, they uh, there was not many, not as many as you'd think, not as many lions are, are harvested as you'd think. A, you know, um, price tag, but B, um, just a lot of guys that, uh, you know, with, with the way that lions were being perceived to uh, hunters and, and uh, anti-hunters, not a lot of people were taking that step to, you know, hunting lions. Not, you know, and, and a lot of it is just because of the price tag, but it just takes a lot. Um, there's a lot that goes into that, the, um, you know, conservation of lions from the American dollar is huge. And uh, people don't realize that, you know, if it wasn't for us hunters, we lions, you know, would literally be non-existent in South Africa, you know, due to the fact that people in South Africa look at lions like we do coyotes or any other predator. And, you know, it's just kind of a damage to their crop and takes away from them. So there's no reason for them to have them around. Well, what our conservation dollars do is the money spent from, say, my lion hunt goes into uh, protection of lions and, you know, really um, studies and stuff like that. So when this big move happened after um, the whole Cecil thing, mm-hmm. you know, it really put a damper on the lions. And so, but the place that I went to was, had a very uh, sustainable place for someone to come hunt lions. It wasn't like this was the only lion or there was, too many taken um you know everything is in balance no matter where you go and in that way and so it's just i think people don't get to see or or uh hear that side they're always hearing oh man somebody shot our last lion but truthfully um you know lions were were doing really well well that brings up an interesting point so cecil obviously huge story everywhere you looked there was a story about it anti-hunters hunters it was on Facebook, every social media, and there's been a few other ones where you know these guys have got extreme backlash. Have you got any of that since since this hunt? Well, of course, yeah. No, I have. Um, and, and again, I went into it knowing that was going to happen, but uh, you know, you just kind of as a hunter, you got to be prideful. You got to know. Uh, you got to stand up for yourself, just like anything. And um, you know, it's funny. I was on a I was on a plane back from South Africa when that Cecil stuff went down, and and I had a lot of people, you know, that just I was reading some posts about it, and you know, clearly nobody had the correct image, and you heard about the the baiting and all of that stuff, and I mean, none of it dragging the the bait and the lion out of the park, and, and you know, all of that was just a big movement by anti hunters, and so. You know, I, I kind of knew that from the beginning, and then when the when the truth came out and he was cleared of everything, I mean, you don't spend that kind of money and really go into a shady operation. I mean, the people, I'm sure, that go do that kind of stuff, which, um, you know, sadly enough, uh, we get black eyes from, you know, every kind of uh, sport or, or hobby or whatever we love, passion in life, and I'm sure there are guys that do that, but they don't go spend that kind of money and go into something that shady. So I, I haven't gotten... You know, I, I definitely have gotten a lot of opinions, strong opinions about it, but mm-hmm. uh, no, you know, no I death see, threats right? or anything. Yeah, I, no, no, not not any death threats, but a lot of people who, yeah, and a lot of people who really, you know, want to bring you down. But you know, people are that way in general, and you know, I see somebody <laughs> successful doing something, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So one thing you said watching through the video, 
and obviously I've never had a chance to hunt a lion or hunt anything that is a, a true predator coming after me minus, you know, coyotes, but, um, which is a, a far cry from a lion. <laughs> but, um, one thing you said there was, there was so much buildup to the hunt and, and the moments before it was kind of a relaxed feeling before you, you drew that first arrow and you kind of zoned out and, you know, tuned into the shot you've hunted a lot. I mean, you said you hunt in New Zealand, Africa, in North America. What's the difference between that kind of zoning out to that shot for that lion versus, you know, the other, other big game that you've done? Um, really nothing. Honestly, the, the hype was a lot different. I would say, you know, for me, um, you know, when it comes to hunting deer and elk and, and stuff like that. Uh, so, I don't even know the word for it. It's it's really a natural thing for me. I've done it for so long. It's I guess it's more relaxing to go on an elk hunt or a deer hunt. Um, you know, it's you know where they're at. You know where they're moving. You know what they're doing. You can see them. Um, that lion hunt was a lot different. You couldn't see him. You couldn't hear him. You couldn't. You know, you didn't know where he was at. Uh, he could be behind you, in front of you, to the side of you. You know, it was it was like a confusing it was like a confusing hunt. It was basically like being on a hunt for the first time not knowing what you're doing and for, for, for me like that just kind of put me on edge but when it came to that final shot moment which um is a super important moment to me with any animal um i've always been that way i kind of tune everything out and uh just focus on what needs to be done and and uh, that line you know it, it was crazy because i've made a lot of really good shots and uh that first arrow I made on that lion, I didn't expect to make another shot. I mean, uh, when I released that arrow and watched my fletching, you know, go through that lion, I, to me, that was, it was it. I was, I thought the hunt was over. And, um, you know, like anything ethically to, um, you know, place another good arrow in that lion. And even that, that lion, that second arrow hit the vital. So it was just, to me, the whole thing was an experience. It was uh, eye-opening, I guess you'd say. And uh, to understand that, the animals, uh, I've hunted Africa three times, and, I, you know, the animals' will to survive in South Africa is tenfold North American animals. It's something that just can't be explained. I've seen a lot of, like, really well-placed shots, uh, heart shots, you know, lung shots, stuff like that, and animals, you know, live um, 10, 15 minutes, you know, and and um, it's, it's crazy. That lion, none of us believed that lion was... Um, you know, still alive. Uh, even that third follow-up arrow, as you see in the video, and we tried to kind of play that out, so people just didn't say, "Man, it's just a loose cannon arrow shoot," you know. So we played that out, and that third arrow was just basically to see if the lion would move or if he was expired, and and he was. I mean, if, as far as we knew, you know, he didn't even flinch. So he didn't move. That's when it all unfolded. <laughs> it's just, just crazy. Like as you see in the video, that third arrow, that lion never flinched, never twitched. So, uh, you know, we figured he was gone. And that just kind of shows the raw power that those those animals have. I mean, you took clearly clean shots, and even though he's, you know, it looks like he's in near the end, it just seems like it's not really phasing him that much. I'm wondering, though, because when I saw the moment he looked at you and that charge, like, how, is there a, any moment of, like, um, I got to change my shorts, kind of like pucker up a little bit, because that was uh, that's pretty intense. That I mean, my heart was racing. Yeah, I felt that I was like, oh boy. Oh man, the video doesn't even do it any justice. Like it was, uh, <laughs> you know that the the funny thing was the RPH. His name was uh, Cobus, and Cobus um, 
he'd been on like 200, you know, hunts. And we showed up. We were, you know, like, you know, kids excited for, uh, you know, our first party. And we showed up and we, we get to the, um, the lodge and we're joking around with this guy and we're trying to, you know, we're, we're having the time of our life flown in. We had some experience with some bad engine, uh, on our plane flying into the Kalahari. And so it was just, we were all on our edge and we we're excited to finally be there. And Kobus was the most like focused, uh, professional hunter I've ever even met. He, uh, never joked one time. We tried to get him to joke around a little bit. He never cracked a smile. And it all played up to that. You know, he kept saying, like, look, man, this is, uh, I want everyone to be on edge. And he was very professional. And when we got to that moment, um, you know, the lion, he, when that lion got up and he shot that lion in the throat with that 470 Nitro Express, he literally folded him five yards, six yards from my feet. And, uh, you know, had he missed or whatever. But it's, when the lion got up or the lion was still down, I remember, I'll never forget, I looked over at Kobus and he had that second round in that gun. And he just, I mean, I was even trying to talk to him and go, hey, man, and, you know, what, you know, and it was just chaos. And, and he was just still focused, barrel on, you know, sights on the lion. He wasn't budging. He was still on a knee. I mean, there was so much video you didn't see on that ending, but he he just wouldn't budge until he physically knew that lion had wasn't going to get up again. And then he looked at me and we get back over to the rig and, and he said, Hey man, and he says, you know why that lion got up? And I said, well, why is that? Go this. And he said, because he knew that was his fatal arrow. He said, he knew that when you, that last arrow, if you look, he had his arm up and made a perfect heart shot on that, that arrow right before he jumps up. And he said that lion mentally knew that, that was his time. He had less than, you know, 20 seconds to give it his all, and, and he knew that was a fatal shot. So that's why he got up. He was giving it all he had. And, um, you know, and he told me that. That reminded me of that movie from, I think it's called The Ghost in the Darkness with uh, Val Kilmer and Michael Douglas. <laughs> that yeah. ending scene when he shot and the lion kind of got back up and started coming back, that was what I was picturing when I was seeing him come out. I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> Yeah, it was identical to that. But that lion, I mean, for him to get up like that, the strength, and again, he knew. I mean, that lion knew that was it, you know, and uh, he was going to give it his last run. And Kobus told me that face-to-face, and, and it's something I've always remembered, you know, is how serious he told me that, uh, you know, that lion that lion was giving it everything. He was coming hard, man. Is is that the toughest animal you've ever harvested? Is what's that? Is that is that the toughest animal you've ever harvested? Man, you know, um right up there with that you know i've uh i've had some tough ones and again i'd say the the top ones are in in south africa i remember um uh, wildebeest on my first trip to africa i, sh- I shot this wildebeest in a herd and and uh he ran a mile and a half and yeah uh, we got to him and both lungs were blown out and top of his heart and he ran about a mile and a half i, I never would have believed it had i not witnessed it but Jeez. Um, wow it was Again, it was, I've seen even the warthogs over there that we hunted, um, you know, you could have the whole size of a softball through that, you know, a hard shot and, uh, they still run off. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's just absolutely nuts. The, the animals will just survive over on the, over there in South Africa. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, um, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, my, um, my dad's hunting partner had an incident like that with the lion, but with a mule deer. And, uh, I remember him as a kid walking up and um they they got up to the mule deer and the deer the deer was like he was dead and, and he stood up and and tried coming at him and i mean it, it happens all the time i mean 
in that scenario, you just got to be careful and and uh, hopefully, you know, take your time and place your shots well. And, and that's really what it comes down to. Never rush anything, even if it means walking away empty-handed. What kind of uh, distances were you practicing and training yourself for, you know, for shot placement for while you're out there? So I shoot, uh, I'm a big rifle and bow hunter, but uh, I love archery on the rush of it. just obviously tenfold uh, with the rifle, but um, I'm not to say one or one or the other is more of me, but I, I shoot uh, I shoot up to 100 yards. I shoot, I have a, a black gold of the three pin roll down sight that I shoot to uh, from like 30 to 100. So I shoot a 30, 40, 50 pin, but I can roll that bottom pin all the way down to 100. And I shoot religiously on that, um, you know, very accurately. But I like to try to get to scenario, you know, um, 60 yards is always my prime time spot. Um, if I get to 60 yards, I can pretty much guarantee that anything I pull back on is going to go down. But the, the uh, you know, on that lion, 30, 40 yards, my first shot was 40 yards. We had a 30-yard shot in there. But uh, just, you know, right in there, average shots. How long did you wait before you knew, okay, he's definitely down, and did you, like, because I'm not sure exactly at this point what happens. What do you do with the lion at that point? Um, you know, like I said, a lot of the stuff, um, you know, we you have a moment with an animal, any animal that you harvest. Um, at least I do anyway. I can't speak for anybody else, but, I, I mean, you just don't start dragging right away. You know, it's like, for me, I really admired the lion i was just spending some time um super thankful for that you know the harvest that lion um you know nothing nothing goes to waste to that lion i mean even the bones of that lion got ground up and uh utilized uh, for food it's just um you know the lion itself the hide uh is actually on its way back as we speak from south africa to me to get mounted but um you know, the lion, meat, bones, organs, all that stuff doesn't, it stays right there, gets utilized by the people. And uh, I got to firsthand witness that. You know, it's always like, oh, does it really, you know, does it really go and does it really get distributed? But yeah, it does. I mean, it's, it's amazing uh, what, you know, nothing goes to waste. You know, here in the States, um, a lot of hunters will go up and, you know, leave rib meat or leave, you know, liver, heart, stuff like that. But every ounce of that animal, every animal in South Africa that I've been around has been utilized. A hundred percent to 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 the bone, literally. That just means it gives you true respect for that album. You didn't just let it go to waste, which is amazing. Did you get to try some of the meat? Yeah, um, you know that we we got to try, we got to try some of it. But you know, I wouldn't say it's any different than anything. Like, I mean, people, you know, people always say like, oh, you can cook, um, you know, certain things and. It tastes better than others. Like I've had people say antelope's terrible, and other people say antelope's great. And I love antelope. I love all game. Antelope so is me, great. <laughs> yeah, and I've had people say, I've had people say, man, antelope's not that good. And it's like, man, how are you cooking it? How long are you leaving your meat out? You know. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm like a wild game fanatic. I love to eat wild game. Um, you know, I love, um, you know, I love deer heart. I love stuff like that. I'm just, you know, pure harvest to the dinner plate to the freezer to you know feeding myself and and giving meat to people who need it that's awesome so when you're not off hunting all these exotic places that that everyone listening to this would love to go to 
in North America, where do you spend your time? What's your What's your focus for for big game in North America? <laughs> so yeah, I'm an Idaho boy now. I uh, I grew up in Nevada, but um, I hunt uh, you know the the full plan deer, elk, antelope, um, turkey, mountain lion, bear. Um, it just never ends. You know, it's always a, a cycle here in Idaho. We're fortunate because we can go hunt um, almost year round, and um, you know, there's always something going on. Steelhead fishing, salmon fishing. So I'm one of those guys that I'm always doing something outdoors. But uh, the only thing I can honestly tell you that I'm not big on is shed hunting. I just can't. I've tried to <laughs> shed hunt, but I cannot shed hunt, man. I I've tried it. I'm so bored of you know. I just to me, if I step over a nice you know, shed, I'll pick it up, but, man, I just, you couldn't pay me to go out in the hills, walk around, and look for shed. It's something I've just never been, been into, but, uh, you know. I, I, I asked a buddy one time, I was like, so, are you going to go shed hunting? He's like, what do you mean, turkey season? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm looking for turkeys if I stumble upon one, then Dude, I'm grab a shed. That's so me, too. I so me, too. I'd run around, chase around long beards and go out there and look for a, you know, a shed, a white, a white chalk horn, but. Um, buddies do, but buddies of mine do do that. Um, but no, back to your question. Um, you know, elk, antelope, deer, um, you know, those are some of my favorite things here just locally. Uh, they're real hard hunts, um, do it yourself hunts, high country, you know, 10,000 feet. You got to walk, you got a bivy sack, you got to pack the animal out on your back. So a lot of those international hunts, flat ground, um, you know, they do the work for you. So I get a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not against, I'm not against, uh, high fence hunting. You know, I have some buddies that high fence hunt. I'm more of a do yourself, uh, free range guy, but you know, I, last year I shot a, um, an elk and a bison on a, on a high fence hunt. Um, just a good experience with buddies. We, um, got the bison cut up, the elk cut up, we divide, you know, divided up to families and it was just, it was nice. I mean, I'm not against one or the other. I think, uh, you know, we're all on the same team in that way. Um, we all have different opinions, but, in the end, we're we're kind of you know for the same sport and same uh, passion. So, well, so you're in Idaho, and it brings up a really good question because you you obviously from the African African hunts, you understand conservation and everything goes behind it. A huge North American conservation topic is um, wolves, especially there. I, I think in Idaho, it's it's a big deal as well. What about wolf hunting? Have you done any of that, or what's your take on on that from hunter versus farmer? the the battle that goes back and forth um man it's another uh big can of worms i <laughs> so i'm all for, i'm all i'm all yeah you guys got some good questions man I'm well that's that's that's, that's one of my dream hunts i, I want to uh, i've had a couple buddies who have shown me pictures of, of wolves they've shot and that's what i want to go do that's my north american dream hunt i want i want to get done so i've love to hear your take it seems like you probably got the experience at least your your first hand in idaho and hear what people yeah. say about it. Boy, I'll tell you what, wolf hunting is. Um, you know, I've been out. I've been out a couple times. I have some buddies that hunt them every year. But uh, you really got to have your ducks in a row for hunting wolves, especially these days. The wolves are, um, you know, super smart, almost mm-hmm. extremely nocturnal. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm all for you know hunting wolves. Um, I just, I've only been on a couple times. I, that time of year when I hunt them is, uh, I'm a big mountain lion hunter. I spent some time this last winter, uh, trying to kill a nice mountain lion. I, we, my buddy Levi and I treed some lions and, um, 
just wasn't any big enough to harvest, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, we had a blast doing it, and that kind of, it's kind of one or the other, you know, and the guys yeah. that are dedicated to wolf hunting, they spend, you know, five months looking for wolves, and, you know, for me, uh, I've just got so much else on my plate, you know. Yeah. I think uh, there's a guy, I'm not sure if you might have heard of him, a lot of people probably would have, his name is Donnie Vincent, and in one of his videos, he he said the most humbling moment in hunting in his entire life was when he realized he was being hunted by a pack of wolves. And that, I guess, would make kind of sense because here is he's out hunting as being the predator, though now he has become the prey. And he says that's the kind of interesting concept because you're now having to shift your concept or focus on am I the one going to be eaten or am I the one going to be going after what's going to be eating? But uh, it's uh, I could see that being pretty impressive kind of experience. Well, believe it or not, yes, yeah, most of the most successful wolf hunts happen are not from wolf hunters. They're actually from guys who are like um, coyote calling, or I mean, uh, calling elk or. You know they're setting up on a on a stand, or mm-hmm. you know they they catch them they catch them you know by surprise or in that way. But a lot of guys have, have killed wolves, you know, calling elk during elk season and uh, you know during their season, and they're out looking for elk or deer. They're not really wolf hunting, but I do know a couple guys. There's like two or three individuals in Idaho that uh, harvest wolves every year, and they I talked to one of the guys. Um, you know, he's in the back country like you know three months straight, and he says out of that three months, he'll have maybe two or three opportunities to kill a wolf. Oh, but, wow. Uh, it's just, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It just takes a lot of time and effort. And so if you find a guy who um, is harvesting wolves, he's really he's really a good hunter. He knows what he's doing, and uh, he puts a lot of time in, I mean, to, uh, to do that. That's amazing. So a little bit... You're hunting a lot of stuff in North America. New Zealand, we've touched on it a few times. What's a what's a phenomenal hunt in New Zealand? Because that's kind of maybe the next big expedition hunt for someone prior to going to, to Africa. But what's something in New Zealand? It's a manageable hunt that as someone who's been in a little been in hunting a little while can can make that jump. Yeah, so everybody dreams of those big New Zealand stags. I think that's on everyone's bucket list. Yes. Um, <laughs> that is one. <laughs> It is. Everybody's like, you know, and I, I went down there with uh, Gus Bissett, New Zealand trophy hunting, and he he was awesome. I mean, he made the trip so awesome for me. We uh, we hunted stags, uh, chamois. We hunted the, but the most intense hunt I thought would be the stags. It was actually really cool. Uh, it was in June, though. The stags were coming out of the earth in July. They were coming out of the roar, and so all the stags were kind of worn down. They're all bastard up. Um, you know, you see all this. And there's roaring videos, and that's like uh, May and June. But I caught it after that, so the stags were kind of like, kind of like the big old bull elk, you know. After the ruts over, they all group up, and that's what the stags do. So, so that hunt was cool. I mean, it was uh, everything I dreamed of. But to me, the the number one hunt in New Zealand was the tar hunting, and that was yeah. Um, I actually have a if you go to our rack site YouTube, it's R A C K S S I T E is the name of the channel. It's our smartphone app youtube channel but there's a, a new zealand hunt on there and you can click it and it shows what i'm talking about but the uh the alps are so steep they actually take you up in a chopper and they take you up the side of these glaciers and they don't take you up to where the animals are they take you like halfway up the mountain so 
Otherwise, it'd take you like eight to ten hours just to get to that point. Oh, and oh so, wow. Yeah, to be able to hunt the tar, um, you'd never get to them in one day. So they take you up halfway to where you still have to hike in and earn them. But the, uh, you get up there, and as you can see in that video, the, uh, the tar hunting was so awesome. And we're off steep cliffs. I mean, you slip and fall, and you're dead. I mean, it's like three, 400-foot cliffs you're scaling. You've got your gun on your back, and it's kind of like that cliffhanger movie where, like, you literally lose your footing, you're falling, and you're rolling, you're dead. And there's yeah. been a lot of people who've lost their lives. But it's, uh, to me, um, you know, those big bull tars, they're, they're one of the most beautiful animals in the world when they're all puffed up. And, uh, I mean, they're jumping over cliffs, and, and uh, they've got their nannies there. And it's just amazing what the animals live in and how they live up there. And, I mean, you're almost like, you're in their element. Yeah, how you even how an animal can even survive on some of that those conditions? But uh, if you watch the video, you'll see. I actually joke around because I sh- end up shooting this bull tar, and I'm like, you know, asking the guy about his, you know, repelling equipment if he has any in his backpack because we're like 500 feet cliff right below where the tar ended up falling. So it was uh that was one of the biggest rushes I've had. And that, if anyone's been to New Zealand, do that tar hunt because it's it's off the charts. That's awesome. Well, you know, um, you keep like, saying that you have this company, this thing you started called the Rack Site. Uh, what exactly is that? So what's cool is uh, if you go to your app store, you can go to the Apple Store or the Google Play Store, and I, I created an app. And the app is um, it's a social media site for hunters only, and it's called Rack Site. And it's, um, it's basically evolves around hunter connectivity so you can actually go onto this app and meet hunters uh like you and i across the world just by touch your button on your phone and it's constantly being developed our final version actually uh 1.7.0 is just about to hit the app stores it's been submitted and we're just waiting for the release but what that does is you know, there's a lot of guys on there who um you know you look in today's world and one thing that's missing is guys like you meeting a guy like me other than you know social media facebook or whatever but now you can go on there and it's all classified by state so if you're looking to go hunt out west say you want to go hunt elk through deer you can actually go on there and meet guys who are looking to connect with you and um, trade hunts swap deer and um you know it's worldwide so there's guys on there there's some users on there just now from australia and iran and sweden and all kinds of places so it's a worldwide app um and we're getting a lot of backing on it to where it's, um, you know, it's going to be pushed really hard to a few hundred thousand downloads here pretty quick with hunters only. So it's really has a social media side, so a platform for you to, you know, post photos and uh, share videos and do stuff as well. But it's a very simple app. It's not very in-depth. It's just meant to, you know, be on and off, um, meet hunters, um, connect, post your photos, do stuff like that, kind of like Instagram or Twitter or any of that, but just, Four hunters only. So it's really getting a lot of attention. It's getting new downloads. There's thousands and thousands of hunters on there already. And, That's um, awesome. It's, it's really cool. It's free app. Doesn't cost you anything. Um, That's impressive. But it has tons of value. It's not just something that hey, it's a an app, but it actually has value for the hunter as far as info and and data and stuff like that. Well, I can see. I mean, even thinking about if you think on Facebook, Instagram, all, even Twitter. They now have it where people think that something is too violent. It either gets flagged, removed on their own opinion. 
if this is four hunters, they're now we're not being we don't have to worry about being flagged because if you want to showcase something that you've done or seen something that someone's done, they can experience it. They can see it without the worry that you know someone's going to flag this and be removed. I think that's pretty great. You're now being yeah, in a social group that's focused on the same common goal. Yes, yeah, for us, it's by us, and the cool part is, is the uh, on the rack site. Um, you know, it's only a matter of time till you know the, the word has been spreading and uh, people are just piling on it because they're so sick of the garbage politics and everything on Facebook. But, <laughs> yeah. You know the cool the, the cool good stuff. Uh, rack site, and it's funny because it's the opposite. On on rack site, uh, you know, we have uh, we had a bunch of uh, users like slamming the report button on there. We got on there, and there was an anti hunt group on there, posting all, all kinds of things about, um, you know, hunters this and hunters that. And what was cool about it was, uh, you know, the hunters really beat them up, man. The guy didn't last very long on there. There was like, <laughs> post a comment, and there was like, there was like a hundred, there was like a hundred comments from hunters. And so people were like, are you going to remove this stuff or are you going to, it's just early on in the app. And I'm like, no, let's just let it go. And, and I mean, there was like hundreds of hunters posting comments to this guy. And he just left the site. Like he never his, came back. His phone is just blinging off the charts. <laughs> bling, bling, bling. You're an idiot. Bling, <laughs> bling. You want none of this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it was pretty that's cool. That's awesome. Pretty cool that. and, and that's really what it's about. Bringing us all together worldwide, all of us hunters, you know, there's going to come a time and day where we all need to be on each other's side and have each other's back. Um, you know, it's just, you guys know how everything's going with this gun control. And, oh, yeah. And uh, so that's what it is in a nutshell. You'll have to check it out. Get on there, post your pods on there, and uh, you guys will love it, man. Hunters are looking to connect. So. Oh, absolutely. Well, um, Scott, did you have any more questions about the hunt? Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a million questions. And, and again... <laughs> I go back to the, the, the beginning of this where me and Travis just want to talk to people to, you know, get get scenarios and get their experience out of it. Because we're in the same boat as, you know, a lot of our listeners. We're just looking for, you know, that next experience and to understand how things happen um, with deer hunting specifically. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a whitetail guy. Uh, I, I grew up in the south. I grew up uh, when I started whitetail hunting. It was here in Georgia. Um, how much does the rut play into into all of your hunting tactics? You, you always talk about, or you've been talking about how, you know, if you have a plan, you know, work the plan. You know, where does the rut fit into the plan for you with with elk and mule deer and whitetail and everything so, else? So we miss all the deer ruts. Um, all of our seasons out west, yeah, uh, special hunts you can hunt. You know, November is usually when our rut hits, but um, mm -hmm. most of our most of our general hunting is over, and so. When I say it's kind of tough hunting is um, the rut helps out a lot. You know, you can predict a lot. And uh, with general season, you kind of miss all of that. So it's, it's actually, it actually makes it more challenging. Um, you know, we have archery seasons for elk out here, which is during the bugle. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that's always fun, you know, because you know exactly go oh, yeah. whistling elk, you know, and get worked in on a nice bull that's all heated up. But uh, for the most part, we miss all of that stuff out here. And, uh it's kind of a good thing, you know. It keeps everybody on edge and, and working hard. How many animals a year do you harvest? Last year was uh, twenty nine. So oh wow, 20, yeah, 20. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, this year I'll be probably in the mid thirties by the time I'm said and done. But um, what what, I just what species? Everything deer elk. <laughs> last year, um, man, I deer elk. I'm actually heading to Hawaii tomorrow to hunt um, axis deer and some of those. Uh, they call them black deer. Yeah, um, so yeah. really, it's all free, all free range there. But I just yeah, I try to take advantage of every opportunity I can. Um, but most of them will be this year will be deer elk antelope. Um, I'm heading back to Alaska. I was on a brown bear hunt recently, but I'm going back for moose and caribou and some of those North American kind of the, you know, they call it the, uh, what is it? The super slam. I'm going to try to achieve that. Um, but you know, the only thing I'm not is like, I'm not a big sheep guy. Like there's, I mean, maybe I've been on a sheep hunt. I enjoyed it, but, um, they say sheep nuts, you know, if you're either a sheep guy or you're not a sheep guy and I've been on a hunt, I enjoyed it, but Elk are my thing, man. I've something about those big bulls get me worked up, and uh, I just think they're so majestic. You know, such a big animal, and they feed the, they fill the freezer. You know, it's just that's another bonus. But uh, they're uh, they're challenging, man. You got to really work hard for a big bull. Elk. Well, we have a, we got a lot of uh, listeners that are in that same elk category. Obviously, you know, from from the Midwest uh, when you're talking uh, Wyoming, Colorado, uh, New Mexico. What's your, if you had one, if you had to pick one elk hunt that you did that is top of the line, that is, that's the best thing you've ever done as far as elk, what's that hunt? That hunt would be um, that uh, Ely tag in Nevada. Nevada's got probably one of the best hunts in the world, and um, it's that uh, eastern eastern Nevada hunt um, out of a town called Ely, and they've, uh, my cousin's actually got the tag this year, but, I mean, he's they're sending me pictures of, you know, 400-inch bulls in velvet, and I mean, it's crazy. So That's insane. <laughs> yeah, so that that would be my pick for sure. I, that's where I would be hunting if I could choose one elk hunt um, would be that Ely tag. Is that a like a once-in-a-lifetime tag, or is that you can get every single year? Yeah, I think it took him like 13 or 14 years of points to draw it. So it's a, it's a hard tag to draw, obviously. But uh, I think you, your chance of drawing it like one in fifteen years. If you put in every year for it, you'll draw it thirteen to fifteen years. Wow! So it's a very, very exclusive tag. But I'll tell you what, man. He's I mean he's hunting world class bulls this year, so it's going to be interesting to see. Um, hopefully, I can make it on that hunt with Stephen to be there. You know, sometimes it's not always about you harvesting the animal, but just being there. You know, and uh, experiencing that too. That's kind of just as fun. So. Talking to uh, talking to all the listeners that are listening to this, what's one piece of advice you have if they're looking to take that next step from you know North American hunting to going on on really an expedition hunt, whether it's New Zealand, Africa, um, Iran? Because you know you obviously there's there's guys out there they're on, they're on your guys' app. What's that piece of advice that helps them get to that next step? Man, committing I just to it. <laughs> Set goals. Like, uh, for me, you know, everyone, if you just put a two- or three-year goal out there, that, you know, starts saving your money. But I would tap into the, if it were me, I would tap into the South African market on hunting just because you can go over there and hunt uh, multiple species for the same amount of money and time that you're going to spend, you know, like on a Yukon moose hunt or something like that where you're going to go, you're going to get out, you're going to experience, you know, multiple animals and, um, you know, really it's, 
the hunt's only 10% of what I enjoy. You know, I enjoy the culture, the travel, new places, new faces, and and that's really what it's about. In a nutshell, it's just the lifestyle. You know, it's not so much the, the kill or the hunt or, you know, that's just the cherry on top, you know, and you get to do that, what you love and what you live for in a place that's foreign to you. It's, you know, that's the, the excitement part. But um, I would just say get started somewhere small, you know. Um, there's tons of uh, international hunts that, especially in South Africa, that uh, really can get you started and for, you know, see if it's something you like. And if it's not, then it's not. But if you like it, then, you know, it just opens up the, the world of traveling, traveling internationally. Then you're addicted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just, I'm just warning you. It's basically, I'm warning you right now. You're, once you go, it's you're hooked. So you're hooked. That, asks, that reminds me of one question I would like to ask, which is, when you do travel, when how soon do you ship your weapons out ahead of time, or do you go with it on the same flight? Uh, what is that type of issues that you have to deal with? Great question. Um, when you go internationally, you actually can set up with an agent that will have all your paperwork in line. And it's very minimal fees. A lot of guys try to just go and, you know, you got to go over here to the uh, customs and get clearance and who owns the gun and all that. But if you actually work with an agent, um, and there's tons of them, um, they can actually have all that paperwork set out for you ahead of time. And, you know, basically it makes your life really easy. But, no, I, I would never ship your rifle ahead. Probably probably may end up in somebody's hands <laughs> out on their mm -hmm. safari. So. <laughs> I wouldn't do yeah. that, but I would definitely just try You travel with them. Um, it's a real easy process. You just got to get them cleared, but that's one thing you don't want to screw up is your paperwork, and uh, because that could, you know, you could lose your rifle if something's uh, numbers wrong or letters wrong, and so just get a hold of an agent or a booking company, and they'll, you know, very cheaply take care of all of that stuff for you. They do it all the time, so. I guess it's worth the whatever expense yeah. that might come in for the hassle that you'd have to deal with yourself. Exactly. Makes sense. Okay. And, and well, you know, we really appreciate you coming on. Ton, ton of info, great experiences. I know our listeners <laughs> have, have learned a lot and, you know, enjoyed the heck out of this podcast. It's been a, a, a really good one. So, again, you know, we appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, guys. All right, catch you later, Cody. So that was the end of this episode. I really do appreciate you listening in. And if you like our show, which I hope you did, if you could take a moment, go to our iTunes account. You can get to it by mybowrush.com forward slash iTunes. From there, if you could leave us a review, hopefully a five-star review is what we're looking for. But anything will do because we really want to know. We love listening to your comments and what you have to say about the show. It should only take a few moments of your time, but it means a whole lot to us. And if you happen to be on any type of social account like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we're on there too. And we really appreciate if you take some time, follow us, let us know what you like and say, hey, how's it going? Well, that's it for this episode. My name is Travis Doe, your host of the Bowers podcast. I'm out of here.